0: Today on City Cash Chicago, what is the future of ShotSpotter? Bring Chicago home's million-dollar ad battle heats up, and new COVID-19 guidelines could be on the horizon. All that and more with my guest, author and professor Ariane Nettles and Crane Chicago reporter Corley J. It's Friday, February 16th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is What Chicago is Talking About. morning Ari welcome back to the podcast
1: good morning
0: always good to have you my friend
2: I love being here
0: Corley, welcome back
2: what up
0: how you been G it's good to see you
2: yeah I'm good I'm good happy to be here too
0: This was a huge week in terms of celebrations, right? We still got Lunar New Year going on. It's Black History Month all month, all year long. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also, it was Fat Tuesday this week. It was Valentine's Day. And for me, when I think about all those things, including Black Restaurant Week, I think February sounds like a damn good time to be out here eating in these streets. And so I wanted to know, what is the best thing you ate during this essentially multi-holiday week? Ari, I'm going to start with you. What's one good thing you ate this week?
1: Okay, so one good thing I ate is Saturday I went to Barrio in River North, which I love. I go there a lot. The people are good. The food is good. Um, And I got a picture of, you know, a little hibiscus margarita, you know. That sounds good (laughs) as hell. I think that is the best thing that I (laughs) ate. But I did have, like, this really, like, huge taco salad. Mm -hmm. And you might say, oh, but it's a salad. But, no, the salad is, like— as big as like your head it's huge Mm -hmm. it's enough to eat there it's enough to take home and eat there and it's like on a bed of like a fried tortilla. It is it is delicious.
0: I don't even know why I asked this question. The description already got me messed up. I ain't had breakfast today. I haven't, to had I, I haven't this had this it either. I haven't had it either. And
1: now I want it. Like, I'm like, <laughs> hey, Barrio, when you open, can y'all just, you know, can I just, just swing Slavia. back? I'll
0: be there.
1: <laughs> can I just swing back, take one to go?
0: <laughs> Corley, between the weather being a little bit better so it feels nice to be outside and then all of these holidays, right, whether it's eating dumplings for Lunar New Year, I had a whole bunch of ponchki on Fat Thursday last week and Fat Tuesday this week. What was a great thing you had this week whether it was holiday related or not?
2: Yeah so mine was kind of holiday related so you know it was uh just Valentine's Day. Come on. So my husband, my husband made some marry me chicken with chicken breast uh with some sun-dried tomatoes put in made his mm-hmm. own sauce with the heavy whipping cream you know put the basil in it over over some bow tie pasta and I, and I got it for mm-hmm. lunch today cuz we actually went, went out we went out before he made this. He was like, "You know what? I'm gonna mm-hmm. give, I'm going to give you the Valentine's Day special. We're going to go out, we're going to drink, and I'm going to come back in I'm going to cook." So he was he was grown grown. So that's why you married that like, man. <laughs> like he came back in. And, and he threw down in the kitchen and it was fire. I ain't never heard of marry me chicken, but like I'll marry him again because he made that chicken.
0: So (laughs) now I think you put them two things together—a little hibiscus margarita pitcher, a little marry me chicken—and then for the appetizer, I'll finish us off. One of my favorite uh, bars to go to is Easy Does It. It's like a wine bar, nice music Mm. club that you can go through. But they've had a pop up with Mother Shucker oysters for about the last year and so they had a valentine's day pop-up and i'm gonna say the oysters were fantastic it had like a i want to say it was a tarragon gelée and like a rose bubbles inside of the brine the oysters were nice and meaty the the chefs who were there like Love to explain it. Like, these came from Rhode Island, you know? We like to get them from Rhode Island and from Maine. I was like, hey, wherever you get them from? They was fine. And so I had a nice Valentine's Day at Easy Does It. If you're not familiar, it's a great wine bar. They have great music uh, uh, up in Logan Square. So let's put them things together. Hibiscus margarita, some great appetizer mm-hmm. oysters, and they have some marry me chicken that'll make mm-hmm. you want to marry your partner mm-hmm. all over again. And since That's-
1: I'm single... You know,
0: Ari go always be like, if you listening.
1: Exactly, if somebody want to go to Easy, does it? I'm, I'm probably free. I'm probably free.
0: We did not just come here today to talk about all of the great food that we had this week. We also bring our friends in every Friday to look back on some of those big pieces of news uh, that was taking place in our city. And we got to start with with a huge one uh, for. I want to say it for a few years now, there has been a big push amongst organizers in this city to get rid of ShotSpotter. It's been renamed Sound Thinking, but essentially it's a gunshot detection technology that the city has been in partnership with and has ran taxpayers like us $50 million. And now the contract was set to expire today. And so people were wondering, which way is Mayor Brandon Johnson going to go? Is he going to be like his predecessor and renew the contract? Or is he going to stick with his campaign promise to reject ShotSpotter and Ari? Late Tuesday afternoon, we got an announcement out of the mayor's office. What were the details? The details
1: were that... um Mayor Brandon Johnson decided that he would not extend the full shot spotter contract. Um, recently, as of Wednesday, there's also talk about a temporary extension and whether that would be approved because I believe it was proposed that there would be a six month extension instead of the full extension. Um, but, like you mentioned, sound thinking has. Basically said that they are not into that. And if that is the case, then the contract would end Friday night at midnight. And so that would be today.
0: And from advocates and organizers who've been pushing back against ShotSpotter, there it's it's not simply they do not like the use of technology in sort of the criminal legal system. Right? That's something we cannot control at this point. It is based on reports out of the MacArthur Justice System. Yes, the yes. the city's inspector general. Yes, the Cook yes. County State's Attorney's Office yes, that says yes. ShotSpotter uh is largely inaccurate, doesn't lead to arrest, doesn't lead to gun crimes being reported and sort of moved through the system, uh, that it is largely centered in black and brown neighborhoods, leads to over-policing, leads to charged up officers being sent into communities because these calls take priority over others, uh, essentially looking, expecting for there yes, to be yes. some sort of um, action involving a gun. Yes. And wow, sound thinking continues to stand by their metrics. Report after report after report from both city offices as well as independent monitors have said with the data we have, there is no way to prove that ShotSpotter is doing what you say it is meant to do, which is not only detect gunshots, but sort of better assist, you know, law enforcement with, you know, getting to those situations and serving either victims or apprehending perpetrators, whatever the case may be.
1: Yes. And as you mentioned, this is a really expensive technology. Um, and so just out of pure efficiency exactly. um, and saving money, um, it just doesn't seem as if there is a reason to continue to keep using this technology. Um, I'm not sure if there are are additional technologies that could be used. Um, I think that ShotSpotter has been kind of a innovator in this category. And that's why I think that this has been such a big deal, because being able to say that you are used by a city like Chicago, a city that is, quote unquote, you know, we're known for having violence or a need for this type of technology has allowed the company to grow year after year. And so if Chicago, which, of course, it seems as if that is the truth.
0: If it joins Dallas and Atlanta and a host of other cities that have ended their contracts.
1: Yes, absolutely. Now that company, it is likely that other cities could follow suit. So Mm -hmm. it's not even just about Chicago. It is about Chicago being a trendsetter in that way that if Chicago does not renew its contract, that other cities are likely to also not renew theirs as well.
0: He is not renewing the full contract, but the goal seemingly is to have ShotSpotter instituted through at least september meaning it will see the dnc it will go through the summer um and so it it feels in many ways that while he is you know people have been celebrating shot is gone you know, he, it kind of like he placated both sides. He's like, you're going to get m- more time with this, but this is the last six months. And so they focus more on like giving people time to transition, figuring out what will we use next? Where will this money go? Especially with him hiring the current police chief who has made it clear he believes in technology's role. And so we we will wait and see. <laughs> From spotter to another big story that will impact most Chicagoans, especially those who go into the ballot box in about a month, we're talking about Bring Chicago Home. Earlier this week, we talked about the differences between a binding and a non binding referendum and what those things mean. And Bring Chicago Home is an example of a binding referendum mean we will go in and vote on whether or not Chicago should institute this policy, which essentially is a real estate transfer tax increase on properties valued at a million dollars and more and a slight reduction in the real estate transfer tax for properties under a million dollars with the goal of creating a secure funding source for homelessness efforts. But the decision on whether or not we voted in or voted down has not yet been made because we have not gotten in the booth, which means there is still time for Chicagoans to be swayed in favor or against Corley. What does that look like?
2: It's gonna be crazy, G, it's gonna be so crazy. You got this trade group, Illinois Realtors, they spent a million dollars to fight, to tell people to vote no for this transfer tax, right? They're saying it's gonna impact homeowners, it's gonna make you pay more in property taxes, and it's gonna make rent go up. So they spent a million dollars on different campaigns. The first mailer, uh, they sent the sneak peek of the first mailer that would go out to uh, Chicagoans, telling them to vote no. But on the other side, we got supporters, you know, uh, of the ordinance that sent out their campaign materials. Like, no, nah, y'all should vote yes, because, like you said, it's going to create a $100 million in revenue to fight homelessness and go towards affordable housing as well. Um, and it also lowers the tax for properties under a $1 million. So it kind of—and so also included in this is a lawsuit <laughs> yep. filed by— Real estate groups who argue the bad, the valid language is uh, it combines multiple questions and violation of this Illinois Constitution, and you can't uh, tax you can't cut tax properties for under a million dollars is unlawful. You can't t- cut the tax for the properties under a million dollars. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of back and forth.
0: Essentially, they're putting like a favorable measure next to a uh, an unpopular one, and they're saying you can't really do that.
2: Exactly, right, right, right. And so uh voters will see a lot in campaigns for and against the uh transfer tax and uh the supporters put seven hundred K, but the opposers put one million, like I said. So it's really wild. Um and I just want people to know the truth behind it, like you said. So this will decrease the sales tax under a million dollars. Gradually increasing the tax over the threshold of one million dollars for, and up to three percent on every dollar above one point five million dollars. It's, There's going to be a lot of back and forth, a lot of confusing information. So just making that clear.
0: Mm-hmm. Ari, have you seen the campaigns picked up? I've seen some sort of in favor bring Chicago mm-hmm. home ads in my, like on TikTok and Instagram. And I've seen some opposition ads on like CBS, which already starts to tell me something about where people think their voting audience lies.
1: Yeah. So I haven't seen as much yet, but you know what this really reminds me of. So the
0: graduated income tax a few years ago. How did you know? I was going
1: to say that, right? Mm-hmm. So for those of you who may not be remembering it because what in well I think it was actually on the ballot in 2020, but we had this really big the campaign for it was really through 2019 and Illinois has a flat tax rate for income taxes, which means if you make $50,000 a year, you're going to be taxed at the same rate as somebody that makes $50 million a year, right? The same rate. This was to amend the Illinois Constitution so that there would be a graduated rate. So that then the people who made more money would have a higher rate. And it did not win.
0: And that was billionaire versus billionaire. That right. was Governor J.B. Pritzker on one side who wanted the graduated income tax as a part of his campaign mm-hmm. promises. And then you had folks like Ken Griffin on the other side who mm-hmm. were like, Whoa, 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 mm-hmm. I ain't trying to spend my money. I'll move to Florida. Right? <laughs> yes. And so yes. that was billionaire versus billionaire and yeah. it didn't go through.
2: No, I got something to say about this, about this, this uh graduated income thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because I was trying to explain this to folks, right? On um, why this, you know, it would be a good thing for us. People were saying, bro, that uh, I might be a millionaire one day and I don't want to be taxed like that. So I was like, what?
0: That's the that's the American system, G. Every broke person is just a couple days away from being a millionaire. <laughs>
2: it's so insane to me.
1: Like, because, okay. If I win the lottery when I play, next month you know (laughs) and so it's like that mentality that made me so mad um it's it's a lot it's a lot but it's the same but it's
0: the same in this one it is people thinking one day i might be able to buy million dollar homes million dollar clubs million dollar warehouses and i want to be taxed less why should people have to be paid more and and again, we've all said it. That's sort of the delusion of, of of America's capitalism is that if you can convince everybody, they will one day be in right. the position of of the millionaire and billionaire, something that is then you protect not going to happen,
2: population. not going to
0: happen. But exactly. look, this,
2: this is crazy to me, because if I was a millionaire, I, I would want to just pay more because I make more. Yeah. That's how I feel about it.
1: Yeah. And, and perhaps and perhaps, you know, like. When you think about the sum of a place, right? Like, if people, billionaires, are paying higher taxes and schools are better funded uh, and roads look better and, like, you know, people are being better educated. And, you know, like, in that case, then everyone's values of everyone's homes would go up, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it would also include, it would increase the wealth of everyone in that place, actually.
0: I will say, one piece of critique that I think, Has gotten losses. I do wonder as we look at the volatility of the real estate transfer tax Mm -hmm. as a funding source That thing really depends on how real estate is moving that year How many sales are made and so it won't be a hundred million dollars every single year in this fund And so that will have to supplement the city's budget and so as I just want to know that even if Bring Chicago Home passes, that the city remains committed to sort of filling the year to year gap, because if it's you know what, let's let's more rely on the real estate transfer tax, that that pot of money. Well, we know from one year to the next that that can dip and we don't want homelessness funding to be that potentially that volatile. So I just want to make sure that the city is willing to sort of uh, pad that funding with continued investment in, in our, you know, annual city budget.
1: Yeah. And to be fair, because we're really, you know, talking about like the advertising of all of this, you know, one thing that has also continued to come up is maybe people who are not wealthy, but maybe like, let's say you own like a, a three flat. flat. Or yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. You own like a three flat, but like, it's not as if, you just like rolling in the money, mm-hmm. you know, um, how would that affect you? You know, like there are people who might be in the middle on the margins mm-hmm. there who are not just rich, but maybe their houses are now worth more and they can afford to keep it because they rent part of it out to, to other families. Mm-hmm. So um, that has not always been very clearly explained. Um, and i don't think the ads have really addressed that it's it's been very much like the cut, the and, dry. cut and dry the extremes and i think that, that 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 is a common question that probably a lot of people have and mm. and they and they might you know when they go into the voting booth they're going to have that
0: Well, that's why we're here to try and Mm -hmm. fill in those gaps in between the what seems like two diametrically uh, opposed sides. And and it is something we will continue to educate folks on as we make our way towards the March primary. And if you have other election questions before you have to step in that booth or mail your ballot back off, please let us know your election questions at 773-780-0246. Every Tuesday, we're doing an election corner on the podcast, and we love to answer your questions. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about a few stories that maybe didn't get as much attention. They weren't on the front page of our newspapers this week. And Ari, I want to start with you. Okay. We have had to manage changing COVID-19 guidelines yes. for, I think we're going into almost four years. Yeah. Right? And it seems like those guidelines may be changing once again. And this is important because let's remind people... COVID-19 is still impacting people. In fact, more people are catching the virus now than even a few months ago. And so it is still something we need to be paying attention to. And the CDC, which ultimately the Center for Disease Control and Prevention sort of is the top down of what those guidelines could be. Many of many local and state officials have to follow or at least uh, start to implement those guidelines that could be changing. Uh, what are What's the latest?
1: Before this, um, the latest guidance was that if you have COVID, you isolate um, for five days, symptomatic COVID. Um, Now, the latest from the CDC is saying that it is going to be closer to what the guidance is for the flu and RSV, which is kind of a 24 hours after you have a fever um, and then you're good to go. Um, And it also does not mention anything about masking. And so um, there are multiple concerning things with this. Um, The first is that it kind of, pushes it closer to equating COVID with the common cold and with the flu. But for so many of us, that is still not going to be the case. Um, You know, and so it is still very dangerous. um, And it is not just like the flu, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The second issue with that is just overall, The normalizing of people with wearing a mask when you have symptoms, you know, so many people were hoping that from 2020 that if you it would become more normal to wear a mask when you have the sniffles, when you have a cold even. Right. Like you don't even have to have covid to wear a mask like it is popular in other countries to protect other people when you aren't feeling well. And so not mentioning masking and leaving that out of the equation when you're symptomatic is kind of continuing this tradition of not prioritizing masking and um, making it so that people kind of, you know, a lot of people make fun of people wearing masks. You know, I've heard stories of people sending their kids to school with masks and the the kids being like, well, why should I wear a mask? You know, when I wear a mask, people look at me funny, you know. So just not making it a normal occurrence when we re- really just wearing a mask when we don't think we feel 100 um, percent. And this is what experts in Chicago are arguing, of course, is that masks
0: help. Facts. And and I want to be clear, like when the CDC speaks, I listen. When the Chicago Department of Public Health, when the Illinois Department of Public Health speaks, I listen. What we are largely talking about in this conversation is like what you said. It's about, well, how does this conversation make people perceive COVID-19? Because this has always been in many ways a balancing act between taking personal steps to protect yourself, your immediate family, your circle, and also... Protecting people you generally come in contact with at the grocery store, at the work, at your at your job, on public transit, and remembering that COVID may be mild for you or mm-hmm. people you know, mm-hmm. but it can be deadly for other people. And when yeah. you are in these general spaces, How the hell are you supposed to know who's immunocompromised or not? Who's had COVID before or not? Who's also uh, vulnerable um, to to growing ill more readily? And we still struggle to understand the long term impact of multiple diagnoses. And I'm not saying that as a way to be sort of fearful. So you need to protect yourself because you don't know who out there. It's protect others. You could be asymptomatic. Yeah. Right. And so so just be thoughtful of how you're engaging with people and, and understand if someone is in a mask, if someone does not want to go to a crowded place, mm-hmm. continue to respect that because this is life or death, the trauma that we all collectively went through during those early years. We are still processing and trying to learn how to live with. And so and so I'm glad you brought this up. Um, those official guidelines have not dropped just yet, but we will continue to update listeners as we move forward. Uh, Corley, before we move on to our good news, we got some real Bad news to talk about it feels like every other time I have you here. We're talking about some business on the south and west sides just sort of abruptly closing, and leaving the neighborhood sort of twiddling their thumbs to pick up the pieces. What's what happened this week.
2: Yeah, KFC closed three of their Southside locations. So one on 75th and Lafayette, uh, one on 35th, and one on 83rd and King Drive. They all closed. At the same time, they was uh, all operated by the same uh, franchisee. No reason was given. They just said it was a normal course of business. And some of the locations were just renovated, which is crazy. So now they like boarded up and, you know, just there. And uh, a lot of people were complaining on social media, and this happens like a couple weeks after that. Eighty seventh uh, Chatham theater just closed down out of nowhere, and people were like, kind of just like shocked.
0: Chatham lost a movie theater and a KFC. Gresham lost a Herald's. Chatham lost a Walmart uh, last year. Like it, it, it. This trickle of it, like it keeps happening, and of course, whether they give a, a reason or not, it's always you know, it's it's about business. And I I get it. Like my family owned a business that unfortunately could not stay open and it hurt the community. So I get that that happens. But that still doesn't speak to what it means like to live through this as your reality day after day, week after week, that your neighborhood is a site of consistently fleeing businesses uh, and and sort of a a lack of attention and investment uh, from from public officials.
2: Yeah, People complaining about how people need jobs and these closures are happening amidst that, you know, among the need for jobs and people wanting more. Like, so it's crazy. Like, you got these people who who uh, go into these businesses, you know, they're spending their money there and they also want to work. So it's like you closing when we have these needs. It's just wild. It's just have conversations and let's understand. What can be done so you can sustain businesses in these Southside communities?
1: Yeah. And when that happened to Target and they closed all the Southside Targets, you know, at first there was a big, oh, we're going to have some conversations about this. And, you know, we're going to make sure if you open more stores that, you know, we have to discuss why. And, you know, now, no, now they'll, you know. These will become
0: community centers. Maybe that will find public benefit in them. And no, no they just sit no, boarded no. up. Yeah.
2: That's my biggest fear for these KFCs, just sitting there dormant, boarded up. Now, right
1: now, there's another Target opening up in a north side neighborhood. So it's just kind of like, you know, there's not even a mention of the loss of the previous stores anymore because that's just so far forgotten. In three years, if KFC opens four more stores someplace else, they're not even going to remember this time that they closed three back to back, you know?
0: Every single episode of CityCast Chicago every week ends with us taking some time to also look at some good news. This could be something personal, professional, an event you're looking forward to, just something that put a smile on your face this week or is putting a smile on your face now. Ari, I want to start with you. What is your good news for the CityCast fam today?
1: Yes, yes. So Saturday, um, I'm going to see Black by Popular Demand, a black excellence review that is at Second City. And I'm going to see it with Sasha and Simons at um, over at WBEZ. So I'm really excited.
0: If you are interested in seeing Black by Popular Demand, it has it, is, it opened on February 9th and it's going to run through May 25th at Second City. We will drop links in the show notes for you. Coralie, what about you? We talking a lot of good events this weekend. What is your, some good
2: news? My good news is that it's still Black History Month, so happy Black History Month, y'all. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> whoop I'm going to the Blank Gallery. They had this, this uh, guest book exhibit in honor of James Baldwin's 100th birthday. Uh, so they're gonna do like, talking about the importance of arts and culture and, and the history of Bronzeville, but also like connecting the past in the present through stories and storytelling, you know, poetry to kind of celebrate his life but also connecting it to Chicago, which I think is really dope. So I'm excited to go to that and see what that's like.
0: Blanc Gallery located off of 44th and MLK Drive. The event is tonight from six to 9 p.m. Shout out to Blanc Gallery. And then I will finish us off. Uh, I'm really excited when local theaters seem to be getting uh, sort of reinvestment in a new re-grand opening. And while there are a few across the city that are currently being worked on, one in Bridgeport is having uh, a beautiful night. Uh, today, the Remova Theater in Bridgeport is welcoming one of its investors, Chance the Rapper, who is doing Ooh. his B-size and C-size concerts tonight. Uh, what was really funny, I saw his social media post where he was like walking people through, but I love how he talked about it. He was just like, you know, I'm walking people through my new music venue we're uh-huh. walking through the room over my new spot my new spot I'm like that building been there since 1929 <laughs> but I love that for Chicago it's like this is my city this is my block yes, these yes. my people that's my shorty that's my son that's my theater that's my corner store I love the ownership we have over our yes. city and to see this theater being revitalized gives me hope for theaters like the yes. one in South Shore Right? Yeah. Uh, like the Congress Theater. It gives me hope for mm-hmm. for projects like mm-hmm. the the new Avalon Regal Theater, like community members want these spaces. They remember their history and they know how much they bring to a neighborhood. I yeah. saw Rage Englewood post a picture of the old Englewood Theater, which I, I couldn't Ooh. even remember growing up Mm -hmm. and so just the idea that local theaters are being preserved reinvested in it's good to hear that the remova has new life uh and i got my fingers crossed that in 2024 we're going to be doing something like a karaoke storytellers live at the remova Mm -hmm. and so i'm I'm excited that's my hope that's my hope we we pushing for it so it's just good to see the programming back and you know to see chance one of those people kind of spearheading it is always cool we will drop links in the show notes to all of these events, Black by Popular Demand at Second City, James Baldwin exhibit at Blanc Gallery and the Chance Concert at the Remova Theater. I want to give another huge, huge thank you to our guests. Uh, both of y'all have been here 511 times, and it means the most every time y'all come through. Shout out to Crane Chicago, Corley J. Well,
2: thank you for having me. I'm happy to
0: be here all the time. I also want to give a huge thank you to journalist, author and professor Ariane Nettles.
1: I'm happy to be here and you know if you want to get at me Tex City Cast at 773 <laughs> I don't know the rest of the number but they'll give it to you
0: Before I let you go, I want to give a huge thank you to the people who make City Cash Chicago and Hey Chicago. Our executive producer is Simone Alicea. Our producer is Michelle Navarro. Our newsletter editor is the one and only Sydney Madden. Additional help this week came from producer Elizabeth Kama and newsletter editor Natalia Aldana. The music we all love is from Sam Thousand, All the Kimonos, and Mark Greenberg from the Mayfair Workshop. Hey, if you love City Cash Chicago nearly half as much as I love making it, continue to support us by sharing with your friends and family. Bookmark on our website, chicago.citycast.fm. Save our number in your phone, 773 780 246 And most importantly, be back here bright and early on Tuesday. We off on Monday, but we back on Tuesday. We're going to talk to you then. Peace.